Okay, guys, Pushing Rubber Podcast episode 128. This is Adam Piggott coming to you on a very stormy uh, Sunday afternoon in the Netherlands. It's been a very stormy night, very stormy morning. Um, I was woken up multiple times at night with the wind howling, uh, trees falling over, you name it. Very exciting indeed. There's nothing like being snuggled under the bed covers when something like that's going on. And then uh, this morning was extremely gloomy with horizontal rain. Fought my way out to go to church. Uh, came back and I've spent a day cooking probably the most, one of the most, it's not the most complicated dish I've ever cooked, but it's pretty close. Uh, it's a French casserole dish that I've been eyeing off for a while. Uh, and it's been in three parts and I've got the final part cooking away now. Um, so basically it's a, it's a bean base of a white bean casserole but you had to cook the white beans so i had to do the white beans from the beginning normally i just use tinned white beans you just use them straight away but i had to use dried white beans which means i had to soak them in fresh water overnight uh and then i cooked them for an hour this morning with uh a huge slab of pork belly in one big piece uh a pig's trotter cut in two which cost me one euro fifty cents from the amazing butcher that I go to. As he said, the only people who buy pigs trotters here are the Chinese. And Christ knows what they do with them. Um, and then a whole bunch of um, um, herbs and, and vegetables, like you know, green leeks and celery pieces and that sort of stuff. So that was one part. Cooked that for an hour. Kept all the meats, the pigs trotters, the belly, and all the beans, and and the 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 water which was cooked in then cooked a lamb stew for an hour um lamb half a kilo of lamb or a pound of lamb in american weight seared in duck fat uh with onions and carrots and then and tomato which i had to peel and seed which is a job in itself if you've ever peeled and seeded a tomato holy crap you've got to boil it in hot water to be able to do this that's a trick all of itself uh, chicken stock, which I made myself. Cooked that for an hour, and then I had to put the casserole together, which was get a third of the beans on the bottom and half of the pork belly in the trotter, which I had to have cut off and got off the bone, um, which is really gel- gelatinous meat, um, which is obviously giving a lot of fat and body to the uh, casserole. Uh, oh, um, the other base of the casserole was four Italian garlic sausages, which I had to fry in duck fat. And then I had to cut those into six pieces each, put them in on top of the beans, half of the lamb casserole, all the half the pork belly, the pig's trotters, uh, and then another third of the beans, the rest of all the meats, another third of the beans, and then mix the, the leftover liquid from the lamb stew with the liquid from the bean stew pour that over the top two big cups of um, um, grated bread with duck fat dribbled over the top of that and now it's going to sit in the oven for two and a half hours holy fuck oh i forgot there's two uh or four sorry four duck confit legs that's duck legs seared in or cooked in and, and then preserved in duck fat. Um, those I just bought straight from a poultry um, butcher here. 
because the duck the, the duck confit leg stuff that's pretty complicated so that's the only thing i didn't um i didn't make myself on this one uh, but like i said i've been eyeing this recipe off for a while and um i decided to have a go at it today so it's cooking away it's smelling pretty amazing i had i went outside on the deck we got a bit of a a break in the weather the sun came out it was a blue sky though the wind was still really pushing strong smoked a pipe out there on the deck over the water there for about uh, an hour or so had a nice uh, bourbon whiskey with it as well so it's been a very relaxing sunday afternoon and uh let's get to the podcast now uh comments on last week's podcast where i announced that uh i'm going to try and keep my timings a bit shorter between you know around 35 minutes uh klaus said uh no offense intended but shorter is better well offense taken you fuckhead uh like i like aaron but his latest older brother effort at two hours and 24 minutes i don't have enough socks to sort or shirts to iron for that long um not only that but aaron put out aaron put out a podcast um the other a couple of days ago which was three hours and 18 minutes i i I just can't i can't do that here's so long left two comments thanks for fixing the volume problem the last handful of podcasts were unlistenable as I had both a phone and the car stereo turned up to maximum and still could barely hear. That's interesting because I didn't fix a volume problem. I didn't know I had a volume problem. I don't know. I don't know. The, 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 the vagrancies of technology, people. Uh, here's a long left. Today. Uh, another comment. A couple more thoughts. 32 minutes might not be long enough. Two hours. Over two hours is way too much. I was fine with 45 minutes. I only listen to podcasts in the car, so I don't find myself sitting and staring at the computer screen, wondering what in the hell it's going to end. I just pick up where I left off next time. I have to drive somewhere, which is about every day. Um, well, fair enough. Um, so thanks for the feedback on that, boys. Um, and I'm going to try and keep this to about 35 minutes this time, so... You know, we're already uh, five or six minutes into it, so there we go. Um, I uh, I've received a few comments on my review of uh, Rusha's Babylon Road. Um, uh, it, I don't know. I got a, uh, he uh, he Rush tweeted that I my article, and I it wasn't really much of an article; it was a bit of a throwaway. So, you know, so thanks, Rush, for tweeting it, uh, which brought in a few trolls. Um, and uh, I just want to read out a couple. Um, someone called Brian Dean. I've got no idea who this guy is, but he's a ringing. Because uh, I said that I liked Rusha's Babylon Road. I, I got a lot, of, a lot out of it myself. Um, and um, which I will be incorporating into some more in depth articles uh, over the holiday period when I've got a bit more time to write out stuff a bit more substantial. You know, most of my articles are around five or 600 words long, bite-sized snippets. You guys get to read them and enjoy them and move on with your lives. Um, and a lot of them are quotes from other articles and stuff like that. But uh, in, the, in the first 18 months of my website, I did a lot more uh, in-depth sort of stuff because I had the time then to do it. I wasn't working at 
60 hour a week job like I'm doing now. Um, so uh, I'm, Roos has given me um, a couple of inspirations for articles. Uh, one in particular, which I think should be surprising to most of my readers. So that'll come out over the Christmas New Year period. I'm taking a few weeks off work. I'll definitely get that out. But anyway, someone called Brian Dean said he didn't come across as particularly enlightened to me. Fair enough, mate. You must be a genius. It's true that he had certain insights, but on more than one occasion, he admits that the mere presence of a hot woman severely tempted him almost to the point where he considered one to be evil. It's not Christianity he should be getting insight from, but rather Buddhism. Christ which teaches that the job of guarding your thoughts rests squarely on yourself, that if a woman tempts you simply by being there, it means that you're not being an adequate garden of your own thoughts. Uh, he also admits in the end that there was one sure thing in terms of a woman he could have banged, which proves he's still thinking those turns. All I've got to say, say to you, Brian Dean, is that you're a, you're a fucking moron, and I'm not even going to couch it in any polite terms. Um, what did you think Bruce was going to do? Do 20 years of of unequivocally focusing on banging chicks, writing 12 or 14 books, whatever he did in the process, just on that thing, traveling all around the world, going on fucking talk shows about banging chicks. His bloody job was banging chicks for 20 fucking years. And then he does all, he, then he, he throws, he, he casts that away, discovers Christianity, discovers that, his life up to this point has been an abject lie and a, and, a, and a world of sin. And you think that he's not going to have any any temptations from his past 20 years coming into his life? Well, what sort of moron are you? What, what do you think he is? Some kind of a robot? I just this, is, this Brian Dean, this is the classic case of your internet warrior in action. Really just pathetic. Absolutely pathetic, and I and I'm I don't respond very often to comments on my blog. People can put their comments up or whatever, but uh, this one and the reason I don't respond often to comments on the blog because if I disagree with it, I've got to basically write half a paragraph to get the point across, and then of course they'll straw man argument you, and it just it just revolves, and that, that's guys, that's why I don't comment on the blog on the on the, art, on the comments, you know, and I know that a lot of people put comments up because they want to. They want to write something. They want to hear what I have to say about it, and I really appreciate that. But it just it just turns into a never ending saga, uh, and this this would be a, a classic example of that. Um, God Almighty, thank thank God that Roosh was so open and honest that after five months traveling around the U.S., you know, he admits that on occasion, on occasion, he felt the urge for temptation, of, of his prior 20 years of temptation along the same theme. I mean, what do you think the guy is, some sort of robot? I mean, I just, I, the stupidity on this comment is so deep, it's hard to know really where to begin. Um, my God. Uh, then there was some troll, Kim, and I, and I still, and I still, uh, and I still, um, you've got to be a real troll for me not to approve your comment. Anyway. One thing that Roosh said 
on his uh, final episode, which I found interesting, was um, um, the... Got to get this one right when I say it. The um, the idea of rootlessness in uh, in men, of not being tied to a particular area, and that this is how the globalist network traps you by not having any roots. Your prey to globalization ideas. Uh, that we're all the same and that there's no difference between cultures and races and men and women are equal and all of that rubbish. Um, if you have roots, if you have several generations going back in the same town in which you live, you're much, much less likely to fall prey uh, to those, uh, those false messages. And I found this really interesting, and, and anyone who knows you know, my history, of course, I mean, I've moved. Where have I lived? Well, just in Australia alone. Let, let's go in chronological order. When I left my hometown of Perth, I moved to Sydney. I lived there for a year. I moved to Cairns in Queensland. I moved there. I lived there for a year, few years. I did a year in Canada. Went back to Cairns. I did a couple of years in Uganda. I did 10 years in Italy. I came back to Australia. I did five years in Australia, Perth and Melbourne. And now I'm in Holland where I've been for two and a half years. I mean, holy crap. If you want, if you want an example of rootlessness, uh, it doesn't get any uh, clearer than my own. Uh, and I, the, the good thing, though, is that at the same time, I've always been a seeker of truth just because I just can't put up with the bullshit. I need to know what's going on for my own sake because I'm honest with myself. See, the difference between lefties and far righties is lefties live in a world of lies and that's encapsulated in their own lives. Their own life is a lie. And in order to propagate that lie, they have to seek out other lies. And that's what leftism and progressivism is all based around. It's all based around lies and the fact that these people are weak, they're weak at heart, and they can't face up to their own reality and their own weaknesses. And, and, and the rise of progressivism coincides with a decline in attendance at church. So as people fell away from Christianity, they had to find something to replace that. Christianity operates on, on multiple levels, but at its basic level, it keeps people who are weak under control. That's what Christianity historically did. The, your leftists, your, your progressive, liberal, fucktard leftists of today, a hundred years ago, were dedicated church practitioners, and they were happy in their lives. They were still weak. They were still not able to face up to the reality of their own weaknesses and their own circumstances, which is a result of their own actions most of the time. But it was kept in control in the vehicle of the, of the Christian church, of Christianity. 
and various churches, so Catholic Church, Anglican, you know, the whole, the whole lot. But when, when in the seventies, Christianity imploded because of Vatican II and specifically the act to let homosexual priests uh, or homosexuals uh, be ordained as priests, which is, which is, to me is just mind blowingly insane because homosexuality is a sin. So how can you have a priest who is an admitted and unrepentant sinner? I've got, I've got a few comments on my blog over the last few days on Christianity from people who are very, very anti-Christianity. And, you know, I, I get it because I was in the same... But the reason that I don't go to town on them is because I've been there. Let's take uh, my article from the other day, Australia Begins the Persecution of Christians. From Dave, he's quoted me. I said this is an outright attack on the Catholic Church. And Dave's comment is maybe if the Roman Catholic Church wasn't an international pedophile ring, such an attack wouldn't be necessary. Anyway, what does God have to say about this? Is God pro or anti-pedophile priests? And I, and I get the anger and I get the... Uh, I get where, where guys like Dave are coming from because I was in the same place. I'll tell you a story. Back in, I think it was 2009, 2000, yeah, 2009, I was in Venice with my wife at the time who I'd just married and one of my closest friends who was my best man at my wedding. And we were in Venice. Uh, it was after the wedding and we just went down there for a few days. And... Um, they wanted to go into a Catholic church, and I refused to step inside the doors. I said that it was a. I, 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 I look back on it, and I was quite, I'm quite ashamed of my behaviour. But we're all on our own journeys, right? Which is why I don't judge guys, you know, like Dave and all the rest of the other guys who are leaving uh, comments like this on the blog. Because man, I've been there. I've been there. I, I, I wouldn't. I refused to even step foot in the church because I said it was, you know, responsible for this and that and all the rest of it. And it's wrong. That's wrong. That's that that that's just what evil wants you to do. Pedophile priests. It was it was it was a specific strategy to undermine the church, and it almost completely worked. Um, and for me, pedophile priests should be hung, drawn, and quartered, and, and no homosexual should be allowed into into the Catholic Church. But anyway, the Catholic Church operated on multiple levels. And at the base level, it kept your weak uh, individuals in line, basically. At other levels, it allowed people to um, see the world in the way that it actually is. The reason that I've gone back to the church is because I went and reread the Bible. And I couldn't find a single untruth in it in the whole book for a book that was written between 2000 and 1600 years ago whatever it is i couldn't find a single untruth i couldn't find a single line in the whole bible that i was like oh no that's wrong there was nothing that i could find and not only that but it all it all was like oh yeah oh yeah 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 and this is me after 35 years away from the church and and then it suddenly dawned on me, not not in that moment, but you know, weeks, months later, it was like, hang on. 
I mean, everything that I read, just an article of 500 words that I read, I'd be like, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, you're a moron. The whole Bible, nothing's wrong. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? That's how I had to go with it. That's how I had to go with it. I'm like, a whole book, there's the Bible, nothing in it is an untruth. The way that human beings operate, that's a miracle in and of itself. So, back to rootlessness. Rootlessness. It was an interesting. It was an interesting topic that Ruth brought up. And even though I've been very rootless over my entire adult life. And I think that comes down to the fact that my parents, because my family were from New South Wales in, in Australia, around the Sydney area. Uh, and my parents actually eloped and then moved to Perth back in the late 60s, which was like the end of the world. So I only had one generation and I had no grandparents or aunties or uncles or anyone in Perth. And I think that really contributed. And then my parents divorced when I was 13. So what have you got? And I think that really contributed to my own personal physical journey and, and intellectual and spiritual journey to get out there in the world. Um, because I didn't, I didn't have those roots, those, those generational roots going back three or four or five or six generations are critically important for stability. And this is what the global homos want to upset. They want, they want to drive everyone from the country into the cities with a promise of jobs, get them indebted really quickly with college debt and car debt and overpriced housing debt. Um, and, uh, and then you're trapped. And this was one of the big takeaways from, from Rusha's last episode that he did there. And I thought, it was, uh, I thought it was really interesting, especially considering my own circumstances. And I can really relate to it. I mean, here I am sitting in Holland, technically by myself, when you think about it. Um, I don't have any family here. Um, and when my wife divorced me, the, the urge was very strong to go back to Australia. Um, but... I stayed for various reasons, um, and one of those because I, I don't think Australia is in a good place at all, and I think it's, I think it's going to get a lot worse from here. And basically, at this point in my life, I I I thought about it, even in the stress of the divorce, I thought about it, and I was like, "You're 48. At this point, the move that you make now." It's going to be pretty close to the end game move because you don't have many, you don't have that much space to make your moves as you once did, and it's true. Um, and so for that reason, I decided to stay in Europe. Will the Netherlands be my final end game? I have no idea. Um, in all honesty, I doubt it. Very much so. But politically, we're going into we're going to some tricky times. Not just Australia, the UK as well. So I'm, I'm having to look at this with a real long-term strategic 
eye of, of, of what's going down. So um, I'm staying on mainland Europe for the moment in that regard. But yeah, rootlessness. I think, uh, I think it plays a big part in um, the whole Globo Homo strategy with which we're currently dealing. And I thought that that was really interesting on Roosh's, uh, on Roosh's final episode. I really urge you guys to, uh, to watch it. Um, he's got some really excellent insights. Um, I, I didn't, someone said that his journey, they found his video series egotistical. I found it the opposite. I found it to be very humble. I found it to be very, very humble indeed. Uh, and very courageous. You look where Roosh has come from as a the, the PUA of PUAs. Um, and how he's turned that around and uh, looked at his former life for the lie that it was. But he, that's it. he couldn't be where he is now without having gone through all of that. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of the journey. We all have to get to our own realizations. And you can't get through, you can't get to them through comfort, security, uh, warm beds and crackling oak fires in the fireplace. It just doesn't happen. You've got to, you can only get through to them being, being really sorely tested. And I suppose that's why I've really uh, um, bonded with Roosh's uh, journey. I mean, because I've been sorely tested as well this last year, as you all know. Um, and it's good to know that there are other people in the same journey and and I've, I've got to I've got to say I mean I, I I'm, I'm humbled by the emails that I get on a, on a regular basis guys that have got major health problems or and how they've got through it and they just email me and say oh, I read your book and this guy almost who lost his leg in a car accident or something and then all these other problems uh, and another guy who was who was uh, a, a military vet in Afghanistan and the issues he's had, and you know this is all this is all really it puts everything into perspective is what it does it puts into it into perspective about how tough we think we actually have it and that's not saying that we don't have it tough i definitely have had a tough last year there's no you can't i'm not going to say oh and here's a guy who lost lost both arms and both legs in afghanistan so you have anything tough because look at him that, that, that sort of that sort of comparison is, is is absolute rubbish it's absolute rubbish because uh everyone is living their own private hell that's the reality every single person is living their own private hell and, and I try to remind myself of that when I'm having difficulties at work or something like that. Because when you have difficulties at work, it's always with other people. Everyone's living their own private hell. Everyone's, everyone's, uh, 
everyone's doing the best they can with what they've got. And some people are stronger than others at this point of time, and some people are weaker, and, and some people have made better decisions, and some people are still struggling with the bad decisions they've made in the past. Some people have done the work on themselves, some people have avoided it, and some people are trying to follow truth, and some people are just embracing the lies. But it doesn't matter how much money you have, or how good looking you are, or how externally happy you think you are. We're all living our own private hells. That's the reality. And so I have great empathy for, I try to have as much empathy as I can. I don't have great empathy. I try to have as much empathy as I can for the people that I come into contact with over the course of my day, over the course of my week. Because um, I know how tough it is. That's, that's one of the nice things about going to church because you see everyone there. And the church I go to, is, it's, of course, it's a Catholic church. It's, it's a nice church and people are praying. There's a lot of young families there. They have like the, the kids have their own little section where they can all, little three and four-year-olds, they can all hang out while the mass is going on. And it's a proper mass. It's not the, the ridiculous mass. They do the full, you know, the whole Latin incense Listen, there's a name for it. I can't remember what it is right now. It's a good mess. But you see people um, on their knees with their head in their hands, and their, their hands clasped together in front of them. And you know that every single individual in that church, clergy included, you know that everyone is struggling. with the burden, the personal burden of what they have to deal with. So it puts you in good company. It puts you in good company and it gives you strength and determination to be able to get through it. I know that every single one of you who listen to this podcast have your own private hells that you're going through. I know that. It's not. A, it's not some. It's not some great secret. That's the reality of what it is. And I respect that. And it's incumbent upon all of us to. Be critically aware. that we impose as least as possible our own personal hells on those around us. I always say to guys at work, hey, we've all got the shit we're dealing with, don't bring your shit to work. If we all do it, goodbye. Turns into a nightmare. And that's... Ultimately, that's why I really liked uh, Rush's video log journey. Because he put it all on the line. 
He never once tried to overplay his hand or make himself bigger or something. He's not. In fact, most of the time he acted the fool. With all these stuffed animals, sea bass. What the hell is this shit? He acted the fool. He downplayed it. And that takes that takes a good level of maturity. And that takes a good level of self-awareness as to one's own personal circumstances. And it takes a good level of self-confidence. And he pulled it off. And it was interesting to watch the progression. If you haven't watched his series, I urge you to do so. One video at a time. Take your time. Maybe watch one a week. There are a lot of lessons there. Yes, I'm sure he made a good deal of money. I think he uh, spoke to almost a thousand people and I think he was charging 200 bucks a head. Take costs out of that. I think he's done pretty well for five months. So why shouldn't he? I don't begrudge any man his earnings earned off his own effort, sweat, intelligence and imagination. I think that sort of that sort of thing should be encouraged. Shout outs. Captain Capitalism, Aaron Clary, man of the three hour podcasts, himself at captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Um, you can check out his books. He's apparently writing his latest book. Um, and uh, the great one is giving him quite a bit of shit about that, um, which is funny because I've been apparently writing my last book for the last two years and no one's giving me shit about that one. Um, Check out his books, his his uh, podcast, his YouTube channel while it's still up because apparently they're deplatforming everyone at the moment. They can't deplatform me. I don't have a YouTube channel. Um, follow Aaron. He's a very good guy. Um, one of the good guys of this side of the internet. And uh, support him by his uh, by his books. Support me too. You can get my books, Pushing Rubber Downhill, A Journey to Manhood via Whitewater Adventures and Run Guts Pull Cones. A Whitewater season in the Italian Alps. Cooler books than this you just can't get. Christmas presents. Order them now. Uh, buy, pay for three, get two. How's that sound? Pretty good? Yeah. Um, you can follow this podcast. You can follow my blog. Um... And uh, like I said, I'm going to have some longer form articles coming out over the next few weeks. This coming week might be a bit light because I have to go on a vessel uh, for a week or so, or for four days uh, for work. So I'm going to be offshore in the North Sea somewhere. I don't know what the internet's going to be like. So um, it might be a bit light on the old posting this week we'll just have to see i'm not, I'm not sure i'll see how i go um that's it 33 minutes was it 33 minutes 
Oh, it's 35, 36 even. There we go. That's long enough for you guys. Uh, have a great week, guys. Don't you go changing. I'll talk to you next week. Ciao.